It's a strange thing to be honored for doing a thing that is itself the greatest honor I ever had. And so I come today so glad to preach God's word to you because the task itself has such dignity. And I hope you'll meet Holly before this is finished. Uh, for every day I prayed and prepared, Holly was there praying and standing with me. So we are both honored to be here today and grateful. Will you stand please and let's read God's word together. And I'm going to read out the New American Standard, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. It's a familiar story. Paul called it the thorn in the flesh. And if we don't know what caused the pain, we do know something did. So here is a story of a man who served Christ faithfully, but he was constantly hindered, constantly tripped up by pain that just wouldn't ever go away. Uh, what is God's word for us in such an honest story? He did what we would all do. He prayed. He prayed for God to take away the pain. That's our the survival instinct, that's our first instinct of the human. It's just, please, Lord, can I get on with my life? We take this away. Three times, like Gethsemane, the pattern of completion, the person, patient prayer, believing prayer. Uh, he remembers this three specific times that he said, God, please, would you take this so I could do my job? But the pain didn't go away. Uh, God's answer was not an answer, at least not the way Paul imagined it. It was more like a lesson, more like a door that God bid him to walk through and then he never looked at life the same way again. The answer from God was not to remove the pain, it was to say, come forward, come with me and I'm gonna show you a different way to look at life. Uh, sometimes an assignment from God can be really good and really painful, both of them. It's been 48 years since I stepped on this campus. Uh, I was a new believer, excited, and I had no idea how deeply this place was going to impact my life. I sat in a classroom in Tidwell Bible Building, and Dr. Ray Summers took a Greek New Testament, and he opened it up, um, began to read from the book of Mark. Uh, I was stunned by the power, the beauty of what he was doing. He allowed scripture to just speak its own story, uh, unadulterated, unchanged, unpoliticized. He just allowed it to rise out of that page out of, and say what it wanted to say. I couldn't breathe. I, the holy hope that came into my heart at that point, that someday I would be able to do what he was doing. Um, Baylor was also the place that I began to memorize scripture. The BSU, we don't call it that anymore. 
old, an old NAV program, you would chew on the scripture. You would meditate on it. Well, you get past the words and you let it, the huge categorical thoughts of the scripture seep down into your soul. God, man, our sin, his love, the cross, the resurrection, those thoughts began to shape the inner life of that young student that was here at Baylor. What I didn't know then and would learn later was the cost of that road that at the start looked so exciting, looked so thrilling with privilege. It's what Paul called the thorn. It's what the prophets would, let, would earlier call the burden, the burden of his task. With this high calling comes a regular encounter with one's own weaknesses. This great treasure is held in a clay jar and that never goes away. More than once I stood to preach and the sermon didn't go well. And I could tell, and maybe I was imagining it, but I don't think so. People were bored and they were restless and they really wished I would just sit down. I felt so exposed, I felt so vulnerable, so inadequate. Um, and like Jeremiah, I would race away from that experience and I would say, I am never doing that again, ever. I am not going to do that. But the next day, the Spirit of God would take me back to the scripture and I'd pick it up and here we go again. Here's the great surprise. Rather than disqualifying me for this task, the weakness and the pain of it did just the opposite. Uh, the, the great one seemed more reconciled to my humanity than I was. He, he seemed more okay with uh, the smallness of the human size uh, in my weakness, in my smallness, in my, humil in my humanity. His power was perfected it gradually grew to its sharpest display in, with that as a backdrop. Keep going, whispered the spirit, don't stop. Just because you can't find a safe place doesn't, isn't a problem. That's part of this equation. Remember that old cartoon where the man's on the therapist's couch and the therapist says to him, I, I don't think these are feelings of inadequacy. I think you really are inadequate. <laughs> there it was, my greatest fear, that somebody would ever discover that about me. Tried so hard to, so hard to hide it, every attempt to mask it and make it pretty, but there in the center of my soul was that smallness, just lack of knowledge, lack of power, lack of control, there I was. Rather than uh, denying, the Lord says, he ropes it together in a boat that nobody thinks that will float. He takes that weakness, that clayness that we were made out of dust, and then he says, but the other part of that truth is that you're also a child of the king. Um, loved, uh, made in his image, holding his very shape, able to know that great invisible God and speak his word out into a material world. 
Uh, here was that great paradox that I was both too small to do this task and too loved not to do it. Uh, I was both of those things, a citizen of, a competent citizen of two worlds. And in that conversation between those two tensions, I found that the preaching event happens. It is in that humanity with something divine shining through it that people then can hear. I preach grace because I need it. I preach community because sometimes I feel so lonely. I preach hope because in Christ, I finally found it. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said, death works in us and life works in you. That's a strange way to talk about ministry. He said, I feel so much like it, it just tears at the very central equation of my life. It costs me. It, I feel it destroying me, consuming me, which is also the way Jesus talked about it. The zeal for his house spent me. So death works in me, but I see life working in those that I preach to. I could see that. The teenager at youth camp, hearing this word and right before my eyes burst into a brand new life, you see it. You, the man in the pew with tears in his eyes, and he can't always tell you what's going on, but something deep is shifting in his heart. The child who sits beside me on the steps in the children's sermon who feels safe at church because really she feels safe nowhere else. Two weeks ago, I sat in a sports clip in Rockwall and a nice woman was cutting my hair. And she'd already told me that she had recently been rebaptized. And so I said, well, how did you know it was time? How did you know it was time to go back and start that search again? She said, well, it's a long story. But after a period of hurt, one day I was watching a video by Priscilla Shire. She said, I never watch preacher videos. I hate preacher videos. But she said that day I listened to her and I realized I'd gone to high school with her at Duncanville High School. And as I continued to listen, she said, I felt the presence of the Lord in my life and he has not left me since. Now, I'll tell you, I tell you that story to remind you this morning, if you will preach God's word, somebody will hear you. Somebody will. Um, not everyone. It's never everyone. But somebody will. And that miracle work of the word becoming flesh and then the eternal God wanting it to happen again and again in the domino effect of recreated life it, it happens. Somebody heard you and you can't always control or you won't even always know. Of course, it isn't weakness alone. And by the way, Priscilla is part of the preaching lineup of this national conference. So Holly and I are going to thrill to listen to her and we'll think of Amy. Of course, it isn't just weakness alone that makes a person or a preacher strong. It is weakness plus acceptance. I know people who are weak, and in that weakness, they've grown bitter. They've grown angry about it. They need to tell God again and again, anybody else who'll listen, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. They are still struggling up against that. 
Paul's word for this is boast in verse 9. I, I'll boast about this. Uh, doxa is the word in Greek. It means reputation or identity. To boast in your weakness is to accept it as part of your identity. Part of that thing about you that is always going to be true and is part of God's long plan. Uh, to boast about it is to get okay with it. That somehow in the grand scheme of all this, the best way to get an, a divine message into the world was to do it through flawed human beings and let us speak it out of our hearts. To, be, to boast about it is to say, if there's a cross and a cost, and there was for the Lord and there will be for me, then I will carry it. I'll stop struggling against it. I'll stop complaining about it. Um, a business conference goes south, and they do. They just do. COVID comes, and you feel so isolated and confused. You hear rumors that a family is leaving your church, and part of you is sad, but part of you is angry. And you don't know what to do with that. Even so, in all of it, the sweet surrender comes that you will take up this task, this real, powerful, fun, funny, eternal, hard, depleting, humiliating, all of the above task, and that you will do it until you are home. Here's a warning, like Abraham, if you get this a little, he will want you to get this a lot. He will always ask for more. Uh, that's another thing that seems unfair to us. It doesn't seem right, to, but if you get this a little, this severe love, this eternal chaser of men, this lover of your soul will want you to get it more. Uh, there are days that I thought the stress would crush me. I, I, I thought I, I cannot do this. I just wanted out to be truthful. I just wanted some place that it didn't feel this way. But it didn't crush me. Well, not completely. It just made me a different man than I thought that I would be. It just reshaped me in a way that I could have never imagined or desired. I fell off the platform one night while I was preaching in Miami. It was the Miami Singles Bible Study. and it's About two stairs higher than this. And I was just making a point. It was a really good point, I think. And I stepped off into a place where there was not a place. And so I fell five steps. I thankfully didn't hurt anything, but it took a while for the adrenaline rush and the, the paleness in my face and my breath to recover, and then I finished the sermon. When it was over, his name is Mike Hari. He came and he said, thanks for blowing it. He said, I blow it all the time, and it's just good to know that sometimes it happens to you too. That's another way weakness will help you it will make you accessible. It will make you relatable. It will make you a preacher. It was written in 1895 by Rudyard Kipling. A short poem, he his advice to his son. And maybe it's too stoic for your taste. Maybe it's too British, uh, stiff upper lip for your 
preference, but I don't think it would have been for Paul. I think he would have liked this. You know it. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If. This morning, not because I'm Kipling and not because you are children, I offer my version of it for you. If you can be still, if you can hear the voice, voice of the Lord and how different the wisdom is that you are hearing than the world knows. If you can be strong, strong enough to stand and speak, ignoring the voice of the enemy that says you are not good enough or that you're too good. If you can own your own humanity, be honest about the things that hurt, hurt, but not let the vulnerability disqualify you from going back to the task because it didn't disqualify you from the one who called you. If you can get comfortable with the kind of power you really do have, to not the power of cool, rather of truth and of conscience, that you can speak into a created world that knows, at some level knows, there is a God who made them. And at some level, we all owe him something that intuitively we're not giving him. And in that sin, be called back to Christ. You can be comfortable with the power that you actually do have. Then you will be a preacher or a pastor or a witness or a minister. And I believe the Father will be glad. And here's the mystery. I think you will be too. Deep in your soul, the sweetest thing he ever asked you to do was this hard and happy and holy work of speaking his word. So preach the word. Be ready in season and out. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And they'll turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. But you, say it, me, me. Be sober about this task, all things. Endure the hardship, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. God bless you, friends. Uh, it's an honor to be with you this morning and to share this great task with you.